Acts chapter 7, verse 54 is where we will begin. We'll go through chapter 8, verse 3. You can find it on page 1088 in your pew Bible. So again, that's Acts 7, verse 54 is where we will start. Luke writes, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of the young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Here ends the reading of our holy word. Let us go to God in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Chris did an excellent job keeping us going through Acts so that we have a chance to finish it this year. And, and so he did a fantastic job, and he introduced you to Stephen, right? He told you how Stephen came about. There was a need in the church. There was people not getting taken care of. And so the apostles appointed deacons to assist them in ministry to take care of other people in the church. And Stephen was one of these such deacons not so named, but that's the role he fulfilled that we'll see later on as it was called. And Stephen was a man of the Holy Spirit. In fact, he even taught about the gospel of Jesus Christ to all he encountered. He was a very holy man, and and he was there doing devout good work for Jesus Christ. And as Chris pointed out last week, Stephen was doing such an excellent job that they were out to get him. They being Pharisees and Sadducees there on the council because they were talking he was preaching about Jesus Christ being the Messiah the fulfillment of the law and they brought false testimony against him so he was arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin council and verses 1 through 53 in chapter 7 give you his testimony before the Sanhedrin council and he much not different than Peter or James or John or the other apostles that have gone before the Sanhedrin did not acquiesce in any way to terms that they were asking him to do so. In fact, he went back to the very beginning and began with Abraham, going through the scriptures and pointing out Abraham, and then Jacob and Joseph and Moses, and showing how they all pointed to Jesus as the Messiah. That Jesus, in his own words, came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And yes, the temple would be destroyed. But Jesus, and because of him, there would be no need for a temple. 
See, we understand that the temple in Jewish culture, according to the Old Testament text, was the place where God resided in the holies of holies. That's where God was. God wasn't everywhere else, but God was right there. They knew that's where they could go and approach God, and only the high priest could go in that room. They didn't have access to God. The gospel of Jesus says that Jesus is the Son of God. And He fulfilled the law by living it perfectly. And He did not deserve to die, but He willingly went to the cross, shedding His blood for our sins, paying the price so that we might receive grace and be forgiven, have His righteousness put on us while He takes on our sin. And three days later, He rose from the grave. And then He would send one after Him how the beginning of Acts starts. The Holy Spirit would come and rest in our hearts, in our lives. And the promise is, wherever we go, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there goes God with you. He's no longer located in one central place. You can't hide from God. Scripture tells us and gives us the, the word omnipresent, that God is everywhere. It also tells us that God is omnipotent, that he is all-powerful. He is sovereign, and his providence reigns over us. And here is Stephen, not defending what he said or himself, but giving testimony to Christ once again. John Calvin, the great reformer, theologian in 1500s, wrote, No harm can be done to the temple and the law when Christ is openly established as the end and the truth of both. So, scripture we pick up today, Stephen has finished his testimony. And the Sanhedrin council was enraged the scriptures tell us enraged and grinding their teeth now when you get to the point of being so angry that you are grinding your teeth chances are your fists become clenched almost to where when you release them you can see the marks of your fingernails in the own palms of your hands enraged means that you are filled with rage leading to violence and harmful actions yet to come ahead of you and the fact that Stephen was pointing out all that they knew about Scripture and saying this points to Jesus and this points to Jesus. Jesus is the clear Messiah, the only way for salvation. They were enraged, grinding their teeth. And in that moment, Stephen says three final things. The first one Luke clues us in on in verse 55, and he says, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And then Stephen repeats it and says it out loud for us. Stephen sees not Jesus seated at the right hand of God, but Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Why is Jesus standing? I think F.F. Bruce says it best when he writes that Stephen has been confessing Christ before men and now he sees Christ 
confessing his servant before God because Jesus is the great high priest sitting at the right hand of God. And when Jesus went to the cross and took on our sins and put on us his righteousness, we were adopted children, sons and daughters of the God most high for those who are in faith. And when God sees us and our time has come to an end, he sees not us and our sins and our frailties, but he sees Christ Jesus in us and his righteousness. F.F. Bruce is saying that Jesus is standing there turning to the Father saying, Stephen, that's my brother. He is right before you. council. They cried out with a loud voice and shut their ears. We all know what this looks like, right? We've all seen it. If you haven't seen it, you might have done it because at one point we've all been a toddler, right? I don't know if you know this or not, but toddlers generally don't always like everything that is said to them. And, and the best move a toddler can make is plug up their ears and go, ah! And here Luke tells us that the Sanhedrin council is doing this, that as Stephen is testifying, they're saying, ah! And they're filled with rage. They're filled with such rage. Now they're yelling and covering their ears and they rush him and they drag him and they stone him to death. And as they are stoning him, Stephen says, Lord, receive my spirit. Echoing the very words of Jesus hanging on the cross. Only Stephen doesn't say, Father, receive now my spirit. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And the witnesses, the ones who brought the false testimony against him, they lay their garments at a young man named Saul. They lay it at his feet. And as they're throwing rocks at him, and he falls down on his knee, he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And then he falls asleep. Echoing Jesus' own words on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And here in that crowd is Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, it says in verse 1 of chapter 8, approved of this execution. Because that's what it was. Now Stephen is the first martyr for the gospel. The first one killed for the sake of Jesus Christ. And martyr, this Greek word martyr, when translated into English, comes to the word witness. Which takes us back to Jesus' very words at the beginning of Acts when he says, And you will be my witnesses, my martyrs, in Jerusalem, and to Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And up until this point, been in Jerusalem. But now, because 
Stephen has been executed because there is now great persecution. The scripture tells us that a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. God had a plan. God had a plan for his gospel and a plan for Stephen and a plan for you and I. And as tragic and horrifying as it is to hear what happened to Stephen, we hear Saul of Tarsus's own words when he, as the Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the Romans chapter 8. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And when we read Genesis and we hear the story of Joseph, the son of Jacob, who his brothers didn't like and they sold him off into slavery and he rises to prominence in Egypt as the right-hand man of Pharaoh and, in, and his brothers come upon a time of famine and here is Joseph and they realize who he is and at the end in chapter 50 he says, as for you, you meant for evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God has a plan. Has a plan for Stephen. A plan for Joseph. And he has a plan for you and for I. However, God never does evil. And God cannot be blamed for evil. This is something we must hold on to and know and understand. When we say God is all-powerful, God is sovereign and in control of everything, God never does evil and is not to blame for evil. The Bible holds this intention that God gets all of the credit for all of the good and the glory for it, yet we as moral beings created by God are held responsible for all of our evil. But God being sovereign, uses that evil for his purpose. See, James, the apostle James writes in the first chapter, he says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And here, we see what the Sanhedrin council meant for evil. God used for good. Because from it comes the scattering of believers into Judea and Samaria. And the gospel message, as we will read going forward for a few chapters now, expands into Judea and Samaria. And Christians continue to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Because they have been scattered and they are now witnessing and evangelizing to new people in new places. And also on that fateful day for Stephen, 
with Saul of Tarsus, who approved of the execution, who they laid the garments at his own feet, who later will come directly face to face with Jesus on a road to Damascus and have his life changed forever and become the Apostle Paul and a missionary to Gentiles in which he will go beyond Judea and Samaria working to make it to the ends of the earth. See, God had a plan. God knew what he was doing because it brought you here today. Because without it, we're not sitting here. We're not singing here. We're not praising here. We're not serving here. We're not sharing about Jesus here. One of the foundational truths we know, we know it from the psalmist. In Psalm 139, he writes, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God, being all-knowing, all-present, was there weaving you together. And the Bible says, he knew the days that were coming before you. The good days, the great days, the hard days, the suffering days, and the evil days. God knew. And so we hold on to the words of Paul. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Now, understanding the sovereignty of God, I can direct you to a couple books. Uh, Tom Trotta uh, showed me A.W. Pink's book called Sovereignty of God, and, and he warned you, I'll warn you as well, that if it's your first time entering into fully grasping how God is in control of our lives and creation and, and, and everything, that this is a book um, that will be thrown across the wall. It, 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 it goes against our own sensibilities and feelings and needing to be in control. A more recent book would be one by Jerry Bridges called Trusting God. Now, as your pastor, I'm going to tell you two things about coming to this full understanding and belief of God's sovereignty and his will being done in all things that his good will come. It's two things. It is both hard and freeing. It is deeply, deeply hard not only to believe that God is sovereign and in control, but in the midst of our suffering and our pain and evil being done, that God has a plan that is good. It is hard. It is hard in moments when you hear news of diagnosis, when you receive messages of finality when you have loved ones who are suffering in pain 
when adverse conditions affect what your plan in life was. It is deeply hard to see the good God has planned. The believers, when this persecution came in this first century, they didn't see the good that was coming. They felt the fear and the pain and the suffering of having to leave everything they had to go to new places. We have hindsight in reading these scriptures and see how God used it for good. That's what makes it so hard in our own lives. We're in the midst of these storms. We can't always see what God has planned next. When we trust him in the good and the bad, in the suffering and the celebrations, we will be free, free to live for Christ, unafraid of what's coming next, because we know no matter what, God's got this. Amen.